0: This morning, yeah. amen. All right, I'm going to open up by reading Psalms chapter 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations make an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Um, I was blessed reading that chapter last night and just knowing that God is almighty, all powerful. He's our present help in trouble, and um, he is sovereign over all. I'm so thankful for that this morning. Let's all stand up for an opening word of prayer. I'd like to welcome each one of you and um I'd like to welcome Brother Nathan Johnson. It's good to have you with us, and uh, looking forward to to that. So let's um, let's cry out to the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Jesus. Lord, we're here because of you, God. We're here to gather together to worship you, God. Help us to never lose sight of that. Lord, let this uh, church gathering uh, on a Sunday morning never become just a mere tradition or something we do because just to do it. But Lord, to remember who you are. that you are a very present help in trouble, Lord, that you are with each one of us. And God, we're here to worship you this morning, to praise your name. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just have free reign this morning in our hearts and that Jesus would be lifted high. And God, that we would just be in awe of who you are. Lord, thank you for each precious soul here this morning. I pray that you would bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: singing that song of how many times, like I was talking about with you this morning, Phil, how many times we take what we have in our week or our month or our life, and we look at it and we say, oh, this is terrible, it's hard, it's rough. But where is our thankfulness? Is my my eyes focused on Christ? Is that my goal? Or is it the things of this world? Is it the stuff that I can accumulate or how easy things are here? Or is it the victory that I have in Christ? And I just, yeah, I want to be thankful for the hard times in life that draw me closer to him, not just for the easy times that are so fun, if you will, or they're just easy to go through life in that. But to be thankful for the times that God takes me through, through these hard times in life or trials that we may have, I just want to look to him and be thankful.
2: Lord.
3: Yeah.
0: You can be seated God is an awesome God, amen. Amen. I've just been thinking this past week how much change we've seen in the last few years. And I think uh, if the Lord tarries, there'll be a whole lot more change. And all of a sudden the thought just hit me like, you know what, it doesn't really matter what changes because God is always the same. Mm -hmm. And his faithfulness remains with harder trials, just comes more grace. Mm -hmm. And um, God is good, we are secure in him. And so, I love that. Let's all stand up and sing Awesome God. Ah. When, he when he rolls up his knees, he ain't just putting on the ribs. Our God, our God is an
3: awesome
0: God. There is thunder in his, thunder his footsteps, footsteps and the lightning in his fists. Our God It is. Testimony to share this morning.
3: I think this song is my testimony.
1: (laughs) Um, It's been this last week. I really. We, we always need Jesus. We always need the Lord. But there are some days and some weeks that we feel like we need him even more. We see our own um,
3: weakness and failures. and um, This song is
1: uh, my heart, my prayer this week is that I come to him with nothing. Um, all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. But when we come to him, With empty hearts, he fills us, and he gives us his spirit, and that's why we need him. We need him every day, every moment, every hour, um, because on our own, we fall apart.
3: lord i come i can
0: we seated, and I'll turn the time over.
1: Okay, the children come forward. It's good to see my Brad up here, we're so fast. Slowly they wander up. You're missing a few, ain't you? Okay. Oh, n- no, we, we stay away from the post, remember? What is, it, what is it with the girls in that post? The girls are on that side? Should we switch it up? <laughs> All right. What song you want to sing? Cast Your Burdens? All right. Which one? It's a new one? Oh, you guys like to you guys like to spring those on me, don't you?
0: All right. For you Cast your burdens Onto Jesus For He cares For you Higher, higher Lift up Jesus Higher, higher 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 Lower, lower Satan lower lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher,
3: higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher.
0: Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. Higher, higher
3: higher,
1: higher higher lift up Jesus higher higher. Higher higher, lift up Jesus higher higher. Higher higher, lift up Jesus higher higher. Whew. You got a breath yet? Oh, you think the whole church should jump? You have to remind me before the next before we sing it the next time. <laughs> ah. Well, we know they're excited if it seems like there's a big trampoline underneath of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you said you got a new song? Stand up. What is it? Can I, can I know the name of the song? Oh, I got the joy, joy, joy? Huh? What is it? Okay. Tell me how the tune goes. I got... key you want to do there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Mm. Right. I've got joy, joy, joy. I'm a joy, joy, joy. Oh, joy joy joy. joy, 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 joy. Jesus, oh, it's for others. Why 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 why? You 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 you. Oh joy! I've got joy! I've got joy! Joy 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 joy. joy. Okay. Okay, let's do it one more time. I got. I'll figure it out after a while. I actually. All right. Joy. Okay, y'all stand up. You heard the lady. I'm going to be more I'm going to be more occupied watching you all Because it's more interesting Alright I've got joy, joy, joy I've got joy, joy, joy Oh, joy, joy, joy Oh, joy, 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 joy Joy is for Jesus Oh, it's for others Why, 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 why it's for you, 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 for joy, I've got joy, I've got joy, 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 see, this is why I don't dance, <laughs> very good, thank you Liberty, all right, um, let's do, I've got the joy, 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 do so you guys think you can outdo them, you think so? Okay. Um, okay, you're gonna ask. We're gonna we're gonna see what they can do. There, we're gonna we're gonna ask the question. Okay. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay And I'm so happy, so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart And I'm so happy, so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer Way down in the depths of my heart Where? Down in the depths Where? Where? Down in the depths of my heart to stay And I'm so happy, so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart and I'm so happy so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart well, I think you'd beat him oh huh? understanding down in my all together where down in my heart where down in my heart I've got the ones that pass this understand down in my heart where down in my heart to stay and I'm so happy so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart and I'm so happy so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Well, everybody looked happy but Blake. Which one? No, I don't want to do it in Spanish. Thank you, though. I don't sing Spanish. (laughs) All right, got another one? one? Which one? Who's the king of the jungle? Okay, see the girls never get the whaley whaley part very well, do they? I don't like okay. <laughs> who's the king of the jungle? <laughs> who's the king of the sea? <laughs> who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you. Jesus. Yes. He's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes. He's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Do you know what that sounds like over there? What do you think that sounds like? No, it sounds like a kid that thinks he's too old to be up here but can't help wishing he was. (laughs) All right, got. I'm leaning on the, Lord. leaning on the Lord's side. Okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who, who, What are you leaning on? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Eileen, 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 I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Eileen, 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 I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you praying on? Tell me whose side are you praying on? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. What else? Huh? Never seen you more excited. Singing? That's what we're doing, right? I've never seen De- Benny even that dutifully praying at supper time. I know.
3: <laughs>
1: hmm. Now that I know you can do that. Hmm. All right. Tell me whose side are you singing on? Tell me whose side are you singing on? I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. You want to do jumping? Tell me whose side are you jumping on? Tell me whose side are you jumping on? I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I'm jumping on the Lord's side. (sighs) Okay, so who do you guys want to have come up here to help sing...
4: I didn't pick.
1: <laughs> but you couldn't disappoint these wonderful children. So do you think Jamie can actually do, do you think Jamie can actually do wrapped up tied up? You're wrapped up in tied. <laughs> so you actually, okay. If she hangs on like that, you can do all the motions. You going to do the motions too? You got this. I've seen you do it. I've got a video of you doing it. Right? Then. Right? You got it. All right. We'll do it. We'll do it really slow first. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. Jesus, I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side, inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright living right in jesus i'm upright downright living right in jesus i'm upright, right down right living right upright, right downright living right upright, right downright living right in god i'm wrapped up tied up tangled up in jesus i'm inside outside side to side in jesus i'm upright down right Living right in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright down, right, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright down, right, living right in God. Woo, good try, Jamie. (laughs) Now you understand why I'm out of breath up here. (laughs) All right, I got a story for you guys. Hang on a second. All right. Do you remember who we read about last week? You weren't here. All right. Who was a missionary to Burma? You don't know? Come on, Brad, you should remember this. I can't remember. Adoniram, huh? Nope. Adoniram Judson. All right. You remember where I said Burma was? We showed you on a map, right? Where was where was where was Burma at? What was the next country close to it? India was close. Thailand was right on the border of Burma. Right there. So okay. So when Adoniram and Ad Judson arrived in Burma in eighteen thirteen, the first thing they had to do was learn the language. Why would they have to learn the language? You don't think signs and wonders was good enough? You know what signs and wonders are? It's when you sign and they wonder. All right. So they had to learn the language. A former Buddhist monk named Maung agreed to be their... I won't try the rest of that word. Maung agreed to be their teacher. However, after the Judsons had been in Burma almost six years, not one Burmese had become a Christian. Do you think that sounds successful? Hmm. Here, you want to sit up? You want to sit up? You want to sit up instead of lay down? Nope. Okay. So after six years, not one had come to Christ yet. People are polite, but no one wants to talk about Jesus, Adoniram said. You have translated two tracts in the book of Matthew, Anne said. At least now people can read the good news in their own language. Yes, that's true, Adonai agreed, but we have to find a way to actually talk to people. If you want to talk about religion, Maung said, you have to build a Zayat. The American missionaries had seen these platforms on stilts along Pagoda Way, the street that led to the Great Golden Pagoda. The Zayats were where men gathered to talk about philosophy and religion. The language teacher added, The Zayats were men gathered to talk about philosophy and religion, the language teacher added. Excited, Adoniram built a Zayat and sat under the thatch roof, waiting to talk about Jesus. Sure enough, first one man and then another came and sat in the Zayat. This was the way people in Burmese culture talked about religion. What does your religion say about the mind, a man asked. Hoping for a good debate, Adoniram said simply, Our Bible says, Brothers and sisters, think about the things that are good and worthy of praise. Then Adoniram added, how we think is how we act. What, Maung-Nan? Then that's impossible. We cannot live without telling lies. Adoniram was surprised. What do you mean? The king's word in Burma is law. If he doesn't like what you say, he can cut off your head just like that. So you say whatever you think the king or the mayor wants to hear. Nobody trusts anyone else. It's the only way to stay alive. Adoniram realized that the way the Burmese people thought made it hard to understand Bible truths. But one religion is based on truth, he said. God's son said, I am the truth. People who believe in Jesus must also do and say what is true. The men went away shaking their heads. This strange Christian ideas could be dangerous. Still, Adoniram, Malnang, and a few other men continued to talk in the Zayat. Mao Shangyong also listened. Then one day, Mao Nan said, I have decided to become a Jesus follower. I want to be baptized. This was what Adoniram had been praying for. But he hesitated. He knew Mao Nan was risking his life by becoming a Christian. Then Mao Nan said, I am tired of cheating and lying. I want to follow the true God. Adoniram and Ann rejoiced. They were so excited. And within a few years, a little church in Ragoon had 18 Burmese Christians. Including Mao Shangong, the language teacher. So, if you remember in the beginning of the story, Mao Shangong was a monk who befriended them, but he also taught them the language. So, one time when we were in Tibet, I was smuggling, we were smuggling uh, uh, little radios that they could listen to. There was the only radio program in their language, and it was a Christian program. So, we'd smuggle these little shortwave radios into the into Tibet, and then we would tell them at what time to listen to the radio so they could hear about Jesus. And another team of guys that was doing the same thing that we were, they found this Tibetan monk. He was like, come with me, come with me, and he took him back to his temple, to a little temple that he had, and he took him down in the basement. Here he had this little radio. He He had gotten one a couple years before, I guess, from some others, and he had this radio, and he had it all wired up to these antennas, so he could get it no matter what the weather and he had a recording station down there and he had every message that had been preached for a couple years all recorded on cassette tapes and he was so excited because this was the only language i mean this was the only radio program in the world in their language so he was super excited and he had all these gospel messages and he was handing them out to people so god was using even a tibetan monk there just like he used this Mao Nong with Adoniram Judson, the same way, God can use anyone to come about, and they can all become Christians through that. So don't, don't take what God uses, or we can look to what God uses. Faithfulness, tru- sorry, truthfulness helps point people to Jesus. Who is the truth, the way, and the life? All right, you guys can go back.
5: Good morning. It's good to have you all here this morning. And thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us in praise and worship, and kids for singing. And that was a great story that that Carrie read. That was a great story for all of us. You know, God, God is willing to use us in so many ways, and you know we can. We can think that uh, we don't have much to offer, whether it's you kids, or us as older people, or uh, even old people like Steve back there. <laughs> God still has uh, a uh, way to use each one of us, and and Steve, I'm not I'm not scared to point that out or or give you a hard time on that because I know God really does use you and. In ministry to other older people too, and so there's there's many things that uh, that God has available for us to do, and and don't be afraid to do the small things because the small things can make a big difference. But for today, uh, I don't think I have a whole lot of announcements. If you're uh, new here or you're watching online, welcome. We are glad you have. Uh, Joined us in whatever way possible, so uh, we invite you to come hear the word, and uh, we will. Uh, we're looking forward to that. I'll give you more on that in a minute here. After the service, as normal, we have a lunch plan, so please everybody stay for that. There's plenty of food, and that's a great time of fellowship as well. Also, another thing that's coming up is a uh, another hymn sing. It's it's put on kind of by the community. Well, the uh, Walker Corporation, I believe, is the one that sponsors it, but there's uh, uh, a lot of different churches and groups involved in this hymn sing coming up on June the 19th, I believe. We've They sent us some uh, flyers, and uh, it's free, open to the public. There's some information on that uh, back on our table, so uh, community hymn sing coming up, so feel free to spread the word on that. Um, is there anything else I'm missing? Any other announcements for the week? I don't think we have any midweek services this week or anything. Today we're blessed to have a guest speaker with us, Brother Nathan Johnson, he's from Windsor. I won't go into a huge uh, detail in in uh, introducing him. He can probably introduce himself better than what I could, so I'll let him share a few minutes of uh, about himself so you know who is uh, speaking to you this morning, and then he'll be sharing the word with us, and uh, we're blessed to have him here to uh, to share with us. So why don't you come on up here, and, and we'll pray, and uh, I'll turn it over to you to share what the Lord has laid on your heart. Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you for my brother. I thank you for his willingness to be used of you in this way this morning and to bring your word. And I know, Father, that you are faithful in speaking your word to us, and through us, and, and we open our hearts and minds to you this morning to receive your word. I pray for my brother that as he speaks, you would give him clarity of thought and mind, and that you would pour out your spirit upon him, that the things that are spoken this morning would be straight from you. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank
4: you. Well, uh, good morning. <clears throat> A delight to uh, be here. I've actually been really excited. I had coffee about a month ago or so with Phil, and uh, I don't know about you, but there's once once in a while God brings someone into your path that just warms the cockles of your heart. I don't know if that term's ever used anymore, but uh, but the cockles of my heart were just deeply warmed. I, I just, and, and I met Carrie, I don't know, it's been a year or two now. Uh, I really love just what God is doing uh, through the little body in and, and Greeley. I just love the heart of this place, and as Phil was just kind of talking about the passion and and just kind of where things are heading and just kind of the drive and the the love for Jesus, I was just like, oh, I'm so excited. Uh, And I deeply mean that. I am so excited for what God is doing in you guys and what God is doing through you guys and how uh, he's going to be leveraging you to take over Greeley for the kingdom of God. I just think it's, I'm excited. Uh, Just love it. Uh, So thank you for letting me be here this morning. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be looking, uh, Philippians chapter four. Uh, right in the middle of the start of the COVID season, crazy, whatever you want to call that thing that we walked through. Uh, I was I was studying the word, and I was just kind of impressed to do a study on what is what is the mindset of a Christian supposed to be in these times. I I don't know about you, but <laughs> we we live in crazy days. And if, and if you haven't got that memo yet, we live in crazy days. And they probably have always been crazy. But it seems like things have been ramping up. Uh, darkness seems to be encroaching. Chaos seems to be ensuing. Uh, deception seems to be increasing. Uh, there, there's just all this stuff that's happening. And you're just like, what on earth? What happened to what we're comfortable with? What what, what, are, what happened to what we were used to? And so about a year ago, I, I began to study Philippians chapter 4, because I, I genuinely wanted to know, as a Christian, what is my mindset supposed to be in the middle of these, in these days? So in the middle of the hardships, in the middle of confusion, in the middle of deception, uh, in the middle of just trials and circumstances and problems and whatever it is that we go through, how are we as Christians supposed to think? And so obviously my, my thought was, well, hey, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 is a great passage cuz it's all on the think on these things right think on the things that are true think on the things that are pure and noble and and right and good and praiseworthy and and so i said hey i want to study that passage uh, but obviously you know that if you're going to study a passage you got to see the context and so i went back and i began to study from verse 4 and i've yet to still actually hit into get into verse 8 <laughs> which is maybe sad but Uh, What I thought I'd do this morning uh, is just kind of share from my heart what God's been walking me through in this passage. Because as I look at where we're heading as a culture, as I look at where the modern church is heading, uh, we need to know as believers, how are we to think? What are we to put our minds on? How are we to handle the winds and the waves of culture today? How are we to handle the deception? And if you turn on your television and watch the news, it doesn't take very long for there to be worry and anxiety and frustration to take place. I don't know about you guys. That's just what happens in my life. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, I want to read Paul's declaration here in Philippians. Uh, I'm going to read verses 4 down through verse 9, which is kind of this little section. So again, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Please contain your excitement. Uh, Verse 5, let everyone come to know your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with gratitude or thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good rapport, if there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things and do those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. What an incredible passage. Uh, You likely already know the context of Philippians, but Paul is writing the book of Philippians from a prison cell. Uh, Scholars tell us he's likely in Rome uh, he's either in house arrest or he's literally in chains in the middle of a dungeon. But regardless, he's he's in a prison cell. Uh, he's facing suffering. He's facing problems. He's facing an oncoming trial. Uh, if you know Paul's background, he's been you know he's been whipped countless times. He's been stoned. He's been beaten by rods. He's been in shipwrecks. He has not had an easy life. Now I know he has not had COVID. But according to him, he has not had an easy life. That was funny. I... <laughs> so do you realize that here is Paul in the middle, middle of a prison cell? His back is probably not even there. Because if you can imagine, I don't know if you ever saw The Passion of the Christ, right? The 30 or the 40 lashes minus one, right? They they, they take the cat of nine tails. They have rocks and bones and glass and whatever they can find. And then they throw at your back and they... the Job is to really take the flesh out. Paul had that done five times. So do you realize that by the end of that, and the beaten by rods and, and stoning, and of course you know stoning, they take big rocks, throw it at your head to see if they can kill you. And so he probably has a little dent, and he 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 does not look good in a bathing suit. And he's been arrested, and and he's been hey he's put on the ship, and it had a shipwreck, and and here he is now in a Roman prison cell. He has not had an easy life. He's had trial after trial, problem after problem. And I I, I love what Phil read this morning, that, that Romans 5, 3 through 5 passage. He says, but do you know what I celebrate in? Do you know what I boast about? Do you know what I'm bragging about? He says, I glory in my tribulations. All those trials, all those sufferings, all those pains, all those problems, I am rejoicing in those because I know what God's doing with that. So I don't know, I don't know what it is you're facing. I don't know the tr- tr- struggles, the striving, the, the pain, the temptations, the whatever it is in your life. I, I don't understand what those are. But surely Paul can empathize with you. So, in the middle of that context, look at what Paul says in terms of how you are supposed to function and how you are supposed to think. Look at verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord. And then in case you missed it, which most of us tend to, he repeats himself. And again, I say, rejoice. Now you understand that every time something in scripture is repeated, it is there for emphasis. Do you know what Paul's doing? He's taking a two by four and battering your brain. He's saying, hello, hello. Do you know what you're supposed to be doing right now? Rejoice. Like right now. Okay, we got one, but hey, <laughs> you are called to rejoice. I, I love the fact that we sang. By the way, I have not heard a lot of those songs in ages. That was fun. Thank you, by the way, for the, for all the kids stuff. But when we were singing, I got the joy, 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 joy stuff down in our heart. You realize that is not merely a kids song. That is the reality of a Christian life. And Paul says, "Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? You are to be rejoicing." The root idea by the way, happiness is different than joy. That doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. Right? Your your dog gets hit by a car. You can be sad. You should cry tears. But you can still have joy. Because joy is not based on the circumstances of life. Joy is a disposition of soul focused on the one who is joy itself. Psalm 1611. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So do you realize that joy is not a, well, this is my emotion for the day. I feel joy. (laughs) That's not joy. Joy is it doesn't matter what's happening around me. It doesn't matter the storms of life that I may be in. I could be beaten and put in a prison cell, and I can still sing at the top of my lungs at midnight using my chains as instruments because I know what God is doing because my joy is in a person. His name is Jesus. And wouldn't it be neat if you had that all the time? Uh, the root idea that we're joy actually has this idea biblically of leaping. That there is this leaping happening in your life. So I don't know how you guys are able to sit down, but man, there should be this happening. I mean, the kids were demonstrating it this morning. And I was encouraged. Why? Because what they were doing physically should be happening in my life all the time spiritually. That there should just be this, oh, aren't you facing problems? Yes! Isn't it interesting, when when you face trials and when you face struggles, the thing that actually you want to do is not leap. You actually want to crumble, you want to fall into fetal position, you want to start moaning and groaning. And and it literally takes a movement of God in your life, it takes a decision to say, in this moment, rather than falling to pieces, I am going to turn upward, I'm going to leap. Uh, It's the trampoline principle. I don't know if you've ever jumped on one of those big tramps. But it's amazing, you have these two individuals, you realize the more pressure you put down upon the trampoline, the higher you actually get to go. So when the pressures of life come and all the struggles happen and and you're like, wow, I don't know if I can handle any more and this is really hard, guess what? You gotta go higher. So this is not something to shy away from. This is something that you should just be giddy and excited about because, wow, I have a lot of problems today. And you could say, You're crazy. I know I'm a Christian. Don't you want to be one? So, what would it look like in your life to say, You know what? In every circumstance, in every situation, I'm choosing to rejoice. Now, I know what most of us tend to do. We look at Paul and we say, Paul, but you don't understand my circumstance. Paul, you do not understand my finances. Paul, you do not understand my family. Paul, you you do not understand what I'm going through. Which is why understanding what the context of Philippians is all about is so important. Because if here is a man who's been beaten and bruised and shipwrecked and, and thrown into a prison cell, if he is able to rejoice, surely you and I can rejoice. Some of you look angry. Rejoice! <laughs> By the way, if you would just grab a hold of that concept, that would change your life. And I cannot tell you how many times through throughout the last year God keeps saying <clears throat> Philippians 4, 4. And I'm like, shh. Because I I, I want to be a victim. I want to be frustrated. I I want to be like, you know what? I I'm I'm sick and tired of where this where this culture is going. And I'm convicted because am I actually rejoicing? That it doesn't actually matter where the culture goes. That maybe we will suffer persecution. Maybe things are going to get darker. Am I still willing to rejoice even in that because I have Jesus? Uh, In verse 5, Paul continues and he says, Let everyone come to know your gentleness. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, you are to be known by your gentleness. Now, this word is probably not at all what you're thinking that this word is. Uh, There are two, primarily two different words for the word gentleness in Scripture. Uh, For example, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. That's not this word. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5, the word for gentleness has this idea of an opposite spirit. So you come and you hit me on the right cheek and I go, I'm not going to respond the exact same way. That's gentleness fruit of the spirit this gentleness is actually a stronger idea this idea of gentleness actually has this idea of not demanding my rights it has this idea of overlooking something in order to showcase love and mercy or if you want to maybe a different way of saying this it's responding as jesus in every circumstance Do you know how many times I've heard people come up and say, hey, this is my rights. You hear that in marriage all the time. Well, I deserve this. This word says, you know what? Even if somebody offended me, I am willing to actually look over the offense and show love and mercy to that person. I may have the legal right to just pound that person. I may have the legal right to just sue the socks off the individual. But what is gentleness? Gentleness says, I'm actually more concerned for your soul. I'm actually more concerned for your life. And so I'm actually willing to overlook the offense, though I have all the rights that I could demand justice. I'm willing to overlook those rights to show you mercy and love. That's hard. Uh, your sibling punches you. Poof. You don't even have to think about it. You're gonna demand your rights. So what are you gonna do? Punch them back. Okay, maybe that's not what you did. That's what I did. <laughs> but you realize this this hey, you go down to the job and uh, your your job overlooks you for the for the promotion, and what do you do? You march into your boss's office and say, hey. I demand my rights. Hey, I've been pouring my life out for you, and, and hey, I need that quarter increase. Isn't that how we function? But do you know what gentleness is? Gentleness is actually more concerned for the individual than it is for your rights. Am I willing to set the offense aside so I can reach you? By the way, you realize that's what Jesus has done. Romans tells us that while we were yet sinners, while we were shaking our fist in God's face, do you know what Jesus did? He overlooked the offense. He says, "You know, I could I could demand the, the justice, I could demand the right, and I could hold you to the sin and send you to hell for eternity. But do you know what I'm gonna do? Oh, I'm so concerned for you. I'm so madly in love with you. I'm actually not gonna demand the justice." I'm actually going to look past the justice, see your need and extend mercy and the love to you. What if we did that in our marriages? What if we would do that in our families? What if we would do that down in our jobs? What if we would do that in the body of Christ? What if we did that in our communities? Do you realize that would turn things upside down? And Paul says, you know what you know how you're supposed to be functioning? And by the way, this is a great day needs to be practicing this. Do you know what we're supposed to be doing? Well, I demand. What if you didn't demand? Well, I deserve. What if you didn't actually deserve? What if you were actually more concerned for the person that's hurting you? And he said, you know what? I, I know, I know, I know, but I, you need Jesus. So I am willing to overlook the offense. I am willing to overlook the fact that you're frustrating me. Hey, I'm willing to overlook the fact that you still have not done the dishes. Hey, I'm willing to overlook the fact, whatever it is. And show you mercy and love. And actually respond as Jesus responded to you. That's incredible. That's amazing. Paul continues that whole idea at the end of verse 5, and he says, the Lord is at hand. Uh, There's two ideas with, with that concept. And sorry, I'm just walking through this passage. Hope that's okay. Uh, the Lord at hand is, is interesting, that concept. There's, there's two ideas. One, it has this idea of, uh, for example, like the Lord is returning soon. Amen? 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 Amen. He is returning soon. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Jesus, come quickly. You realize that for 2,000 years, the, the, the bride and the spirit have prayed one prayer that has yet to be answered. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Maranatha. come. Come. Have you prayed that prayer today? If not, you should be praying it. I mean, this is Pentecost Sunday. I mean, this is the day where the Spirit was outpoured upon the church. Maybe today's the day. Stay seated. But, the, but there's that idea contained here. Hey, the, the time is short, folks. And it is shorter now than it ever has been in human history. We are 2,000 years closer to the return of Christ. Was he going to return tomorrow? I don't know. What about next week? I don't know. But it's soon. And it's getting sooner every day. And we need to make ourselves ready. And so Paul says, hey, you need to realize, hey, the Lord's return is imminent. It is coming soon. That should actually be good news. That's great news, by the way. Now, I know if you're not married yet, that seems like horrible news. Because you're like, Lord, could you just tarry just a little bit longer until I get married? Then you can come. But that should be exciting for us as believers. The Lord is returning, folks. But the other idea, which I think is actually probably more what Paul's getting to, is this idea that he is at hand. He is close. He is nearby. Well, where is he? Well, it's like he's just he's here. Well, truth be told, he's here, and he's pressing in upon us, and he's with us. And isn't it an incredible reality that, being Pentecost Sunday, that what took place two thousand years ago at Pentecost—the outside God coming to be on the inside—has changed everything. See, in the old covenant, God was out there; we're down here, and we're doing our best. Hey, we're trying. We're trying. And he's yelling, giving us law, and we're, we're doing our best. But do you realize what happened at Pentecost? The Lord came near. And the outside God came to be on the inside. And no longer is it me trying to do my best for him. Now he wants to do his best in and through me. And now my life is to literally be carried along and resourced and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That Who lives inside of this body. There are two people in this body, folks which is not schizophrenia. There's two peoples in this body. There's Nathan and there's Jesus via the Holy Spirit. And he is at hand. He's enabling. He's empowering our life as a believer. That this is not about what you can do for Jesus. He can make rocks sing better than us. So it's not that he needs us. He wants us. And you realize this is not about you and your ability and your talent and your whatever. This is, hey, would you allow him and his overwhelming resource to come in your life and actually enable you to live out the life that you were called to live? Because otherwise, you have no option. The Christian life is impossible to live in your strength. The Christian life is impossible to live in your ability outside of Jesus, which is why you have Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So think about this. Paul says, hey, the Lord is at hand. He is pressing in upon us. He is enabling us. He is is enabling you to do what you are called to do. How on earth are you going to rejoice at all times? Well, I'll set a reminder on my watch, and when it goes off, I'll go,
3: "Ah."
4: that's not going to work. How on earth are you going to be gentle? How are you going to be known by gentleness? Well, when I have an offense, I'm going to grip my teeth, and I'm going to... I'm going to scream at a pillow, throw some darts at a wall, and then I'll deal with the person. That's not going to work. How how is this going to function? The Lord's at hand. How how are you going to make this happen? You need Jesus. And Paul says, hey, the Lord is at hand. Now, that's tied into verse 6. Look at verse 6. By the way, verse 6 can apply to every single one of us. You cannot get out of verse 6. This is the normal human living outside of Jesus. Look at this. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for everything. Oh, sorry. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Well done. Do you realize that in our normal human condition, we are fretting and fearful and anxious and worried about everything? Aren't we? The alarm goes off in the morning. <clears throat> oh, no. No. What about this? 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 And if you're married, if you have kids, right? I mean, they're just this stuff. Just hey, we are we are an anxious people. Did you know what the number one command in scripture is? That's repeated more than any other command. It's not to love. It's fear not. Why do you think that one has to be repeated so often? Probably because we're so fearful. Uh, Richard Rembrandt, who was a, a pastor in Romania during World War II, and he got put into a concentration camp, he says that there were 366 clear commands to fear not. That's one for every single day of the year, including leap year. And supposedly he had them all memorized. And every day he would wake up and say that day's fear not passage. And the reason he was so encouraged is because the day that he was arrested was February 29th. It was, it was a leap year. And as, put, as, they, as they put the hood over his head and as they were carting him off into prison, he says, Lord, there's a command to fear not even on this day. So I choose to trust you. Now, he was in the middle of the, of the concentration stuff and, and he's being completely beaten. In fact, when he got out of prison, he could no longer wear shoes. His feet were so beaten that that he, he could barely stand. But one day he was sitting in front of his uh, captors and and they were yelling and they're doing all these fear tactics and he's just sitting there and he's just tranquil and they're getting frustrated because he's not showing fear. And they, they basically, if I could give give the Nathan Johnson version, this is, are you not afraid? And he says, sir, put your hand upon my heart. If it is beating any faster than normal, then you will know there is not a God How did you do in COVID season? That's not prison. Well, for some of us, it felt like prison. But that's that, that wasn't prison. That wasn't torture. That was sit at home and binge Netflix. Obviously not you guys, but everyone else. And yet, how many of us were living with fear? You looked at culture, fear actually became cool. If you were unafraid, you were actually the problem which I think is the first time I know in our history that it's been like that. that. That fear was hip. Fear was amazing. Fear. Everyone was to live in fear. You're a Christian, and you are commanded. This is not a suggestion. This isn't like, we'll consider it. This is a, you are commanded. You are not to fear. Why? The Lord is at hand. You've got Jesus. What do you have to fear about? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 it's all about, hey, he has promised us he will never leave us or forsake us. So therefore, we can boldly declare, whom shall I fear? What What can man do to us? That's an encouraging promise. If the God of the universe has looked at you and says, hey, I promise I will never, ever, 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 ever leave or forsake you, why would you worry? The Lord is at hand. And I don't don't care what you're going through. I don't care the circumstances of life. I I don't care if the COVID thing gets worse. I don't care if our economy tanks. I don't, I don't, I don't, I do care. I should should clarify that. I do care. But as a Christian, that should not determine the disposition of my soul. Why? Because we are to be fearless in a fearful culture. We have the solution. It's Jesus. are you doing what is it that you worry about what keeps you up at night what is it that just deeply disturbs your soul what what is it that just maybe the solution is knowing that jesus is near and you've got to get tight with him because i've found every time that i i have fear every time that I have anxiety, every time that I have trepidation, every time that I have a timidity of soul, every time that I'm just in this, oh, no, what about? Do you know what the solution is? It's focusing on Jesus. And when I realize that he is near, when I realize that he he promised he will never leave or forsake us, it's not that the problems have gone away. It's that I can stand boldly in the middle of the problems. And so, hey, if you, if you came in this morning and you're shaky a little bit and you're weak need and you're just like, I don't know, and what about my job and, and what about my family and what about the finances and, and, and what about the, what about the, what about the, what about the... Could you just oh, go after Jesus? In fact, that's what Paul says at the end of verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So he's setting up a contrast. He says, look, over here is do not be anxious about anything. Well, then what's my response? In everything. By the way, do you know what the word everything in Greek means? It means everything. Isn't that awesome? Which means every single thing that you can figure out, everything you can count. I mean, this is all. And what does all mean? All. Well, what about this? That's included in everything. Well, what about that? That's also included in everything. Are you getting this? So you cannot come up with a loophole in this. You cannot say, well, what about I got a special, I have a special problem. Yes, you do. But you have a special God. There's no loopholes in this, in everything. So get this, here's the contrast. There is nothing on earth that should produce anxiety. Instead, that should drive you to this and everything in prayer and thanksgiving. It's not that this has gone away. It's not that these have changed. It's not that the circumstances of life have disappeared. It's that what used to cause anxiety is now doing something new in your life, which is what? Prayer and thanksgiving. Now, look at the passage in verse 6. Paul uses three different words for prayer he says, in everything, by prayer, supplication, and making requests. And if you say, Nathan, what's the difference between them? It actually doesn't matter. There's not much difference. It's just like he's repeating himself. Uh, you could think of it like prayer is the big umbrella. Supplication is what you're doing under the big umbrella called prayer. Making requests is the little things you're doing in supplication. But it doesn't matter. Because the emphasis of the passage is there's nothing going on in your life that's causing anxiety. Rather, those exact things are pressing you to another reality. And what is that? (laughs) Intimacy. Do you know what prayer is all about? Intimacy. Focus. Relationship. Well, how long should I pray for? How long are you breathing for? I breathe for 12 hours a day, and I stop. Then pray for that many hours. You 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 realize we are called to pray at all times. You realize that everything you're doing should be wrapped up in this idea of relationship and intimacy with Jesus. I heard an illustration recently, which talked about the, the amount of time for praying. Maybe I shouldn't bring this up. The illustration was kissing. Have you ever married couples? As a married couple, because if you're not married, hopefully you have no idea what I'm talking about. But as a married couple, do you set a timer for kissing? And after five minutes, ding, honey, we're done. Wouldn't that just ruin everything? That seems like the least romantic thing I've ever heard. So, then why do we set timers with Jesus? If it's all about intimacy, if it's all about relationship. Well, chapter day keeps the devil away. Good. But why are you only reading a chapter? Well, I, I spend five minutes every morning in prayer, 30 seconds before every meal, and two minutes every night before I go to bed. Good for you. But try doing that with your spouse. Honey, got five minutes, go. And you're done. That isn't, that's not how relationships work. So think about this. What if everything in your life that has always caused anxiety, what if everything in your life that's always caused trepidation, what if everything that's caused frustration, what if everything that has just caused that worry and that fear, what if rather than producing that, what if it would drive you into relationship with Jesus and only cause you to love him more? And what is produced out of that is this relational, intimate prayer and thanksgiving in every circumstance. By the way, do you know what we call people who live like this? We call them Christians. Don't you want to be one? If you need an illustration, uh, I don't have anything good to use. Okay, imagine my Bible is all the pressure, all the trials, all the temptations, all the frustrations, everything that produces anxiety. You realize if this is God and this is me and this stuff gets between us, all it's going to do is press us further apart because this puts pressure. But what if you and Jesus got so tight that the only place, the only room for this stuff is out here? So when this stuff shows up in your life, it can't get between the two of you. So what does it do? It pushes pressure. It drives you to Jesus. You getting that? So what if every circumstance of life? What of every problem? Instead of producing anxiety, by the way, that word anxiety means to cut up into little pieces. It means to divide your soul. It, it's separating you out, and it's just causing this chaos within. And you know what that feels like. We've all been there. So rather than producing that in your life, what if the same circumstances of life, the same family stuff, the same finances, the same president, probably shouldn't have said that, that the same COVID, the same whatever it is, what if this, instead of producing anxiety, what if this would drive you to Jesus? Do you realize that we as bo- as the body of believers had an incredible opportunity this last year to be more intimate with Jesus than we've ever been Ever in our lives. Why? Because we've had chaos. And you look at most modern churches and you look at most modern Christians and they're falling apart. Why? Because the problems got in the middle of this thing and it just Paul's solution then is Are you doing that? Again, I don't I don't know what you came in with this morning. I don't know what problems you have. I don't know the circumstances of your life. I don't understand your family and your finances. I I, I don't. I don't know your job situation. I don't. don't. But could it be that that stuff doesn't actually matter as much as what you're going to do with it? Or how God wants to leverage that in your life to just get tight with him? See, the Lord is at hand. And if the Lord is at hand, then everything here can actually drive me to him. If the Lord is at hand, it is actually possible for me to rejoice always. Hey, if the Lord is near, then I can look at every offense and look over that offense for the concern of the person and show love and mercy. Why? Because he's here, folks. He's here. And he wants to get wrapped up in intimacy with you. Are you getting this? One final piece. Uh, Look at verse 7. Paul says, when all this is taking place, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word peace. I think of a, a tropical island, lounge chair, lemonade in hand, hearing the ocean waves come in, just... Peaceful. Doesn't that sound nice right now? It just sounds so delightful. Oh, peace. That's not peace biblically. Uh, peace biblically, <clears throat> uh, the word shalom is really this idea of a removal of enemy faction. Uh, sometimes it has this idea of uh, it, it's a it's a it is a peace. It's a resting regardless of circumstance. Sometimes that means enemies removed. Sometimes that means the enemy may be surrounding us, but we can be calm and have rest, and we can have focus in the middle of it. Why? Because we have peace. There's this idea of security with it. There's this idea of hope with it. There's this idea of blessing with it. Do you know what our peace is as believers? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, for he, Jesus himself, is our peace. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is not this woo thing. Peace is Peace is a person. Think about this. The peace of God, Jesus, who is drawn near. Do you know what he's going to do in your life? This peace which surpasses all understanding. Hey, you cannot wrap your mind around this. This is far too big for you to comprehend. And don't you want peace like that? I mean, I don't want just a little bit of peace that I can somehow understand. I want peace that is far beyond my own comprehension and understanding. Paul says, do you know what the peace of God is going to do in your life? It is going to guard your hearts and your minds. That word guard is a military term, which literally means to set a a soldier or set an army around the walls of. Do you know what God's going to do in your life? He's drawn near folks, which means he wants to take himself and literally be the guard of your life. He wants to guard your heart. He wants to guard your mind and in a culture in which things are getting darker and in an area that things are just getting worse and worse and worse, folks, we need Jesus to be guarding our hearts and our minds. Do you have that? Are you at rest? Are you at peace? Are you full of anxiety and worry and fear? And Can I tell you the solution? Get tight with Jesus. Well, I'm a Christian. Good. Get tighter with Jesus. Because we can all get tighter with Jesus. Pray with me. Oh Lord, maybe nobody else needs to hear this this morning, but Lord, I, I am desperate for all of this. Lord, times are getting tough. Things are getting confusing. Chaos seems to be swirling around us. Lord, the political stuff and the economy stuff and the health stuff and Lord, could it be that we would actually recognize and realize more than just a head knowledge, but we would begin to experience that you are at hand, that yes, you're returning soon, but you have drawn near to us. And as such, we can actually rejoice in every circumstance. Lord, that there, there could be this buoyancy of soul going on within us. Lord, Lord could it be that, that we could actually, hey, instead of playing the victim card and instead of demanding our rights and demanding our justice and demanding... Lord, could you give us your heart and that we could overlook the offense and bestow grace and mercy and love to the people around us? Lord, Lord, could it be that rather than producing anxiety and fear and trepidation and worry and concern, Lord, what if everything drove me to you? Lord, what if you and I could get so tight that the problems of this life could not get between us? In fact, the only pressure that I'm experiencing is Is the fact that the pressures of this life press me to you. Lord, I need that. Lord, I am desperate for that. And Lord, we as the body of Christ, we need you, our peace, to guard and protect our hearts and our minds. You are truth. We need your protection from lies. You are love. We need your protection against all the hatred and the strife and the bickering and the division. And Lord, you are joy. You are peace. You are our righteousness, your perfect holiness. So, Lord, I'm convinced I don't have to grip my teeth and I don't have to try to act like a Christian. I need to get tight with you unless you begin to live your life in me. And that's not being passive. I, I get that, Jesus. I'm fully active. I'm fully involved. I'm pressing in. I'm walking in obedience. But Lord, I can't do this on my own. I cannot rejoice like I'm supposed to. I can't forgive like I'm supposed to. I cannot love like I'm supposed to. I, ca- I cannot walk in freedom and uh, hope and peace like I'm supposed to outside of you. So Lord, I just declare afresh this morning, I need you. My heads are bowed. Do you need this? Are you sitting there going, yeah, but what about, and what about, and what about? And I've got these problems, and could you embrace Jesus this morning afresh? Would you quit making excuses for why you need to keep struggling and striving, and would you just throw yourself upon Jesus so that him, the peace, would guard your heart and mind? Hey, if you're living in anxiety and worry and fear would you would you surrender that to Jesus and press into him and let these things just press you to him and trust him and see his faithfulness in every circumstance Jesus your body needs this around the world we need this in this hour lord we need this and lord even though we celebrate what you did 2000 years ago at pentecost this outpouring of the Spirit of God which was so desperately needed. Lord, we need a fresh movement of your Spirit today in this generation. Lord, we need an outpouring. We need a movement of God. Lord, we need Christians to begin to live like Christians, which means we need you. Lord, I do just pray a blessing upon this local body. I I pray that, that Greeley would be turned upside down that you would somehow show forth your love and your mercy, your kindness and your goodness through this body that really just cannot help itself but be just wooed towards you. Lord, I just pray for opportunities. I pray for uh, the freedoms that we do have, the, the freedom to continue to witness and declare truth. So Lord, would you blow afresh upon this body and would you energize it and focus it afresh upon you and ground them more deeper into your word and more full into your life and the reality of the gospel. In short, Jesus, we just need you. Lord, you are so good. Oh, your mercies endure forever. Let's give you all the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name. Amen. Amen. Would you press into Jesus? I know a lot of times with preaching, you can hear you can hear a sermon and be like, mm, good, and then walk out and nothing changes. But you realize if nothing changes in your life, your life's got to be miserable. And if there's all that turmoil stuff, that's not how we were made to live. So can I encourage you to just surrender afresh? And if in an hour from now, something pops in your life that just kind of... Uh, Would you, would you just recognize what it is and say, Lord, I I feel baited toward anxiety. There is a pressing toward fear, but Lord, I refuse. I'm in you. You're in me. So would you let this press me to you? This is how we're to live as believers, tight with Jesus. This changes everything. I pray for you. Love you guys. We're praying for you. Seriously, I am genuinely excited what God is doing out here. And I'll be praying and cheering you guys on. Love it.